Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Becoming Sister Wives Book Club. Today, I'll be giving my commentary on part one of chapter four, entitled Robin and Cody. I do want to point out another contradiction of Cody's first, brought to us by viewer Lisa. In the first episode of season one, in the opening scene, as Cody is driving back to the big house in Lehigh, he says, I like marriage and I'm a repeat offender. Later, he explains that he just fell in love, then he fell in love, then he fell in love again, referring to Mary, Janelle, and Christine, respectively. Now, per the book and the show, we learn Cody and Mary were a romantic relationship, and both Cody and Mary were in love, and in later seasons, we know Cody went to the therapy session with Nancy, the marriage counselor, marriage therapist, suggesting that Mary had deceived him from the start. But Cody admits in the book and on the show, and Mary as well, that their relationship was an in-love, romantically-natured relationship from the start. The type of relationship one would imagine would result in a marriage. With Janelle, she admits in the book the relationship was not hearts and googly-eyed, warm and fuzzy, romantic love. They admired each other's intellect. They were best friends. But Cody didn't fall in love with Janelle. In fact, they had to learn to view each other as more than best friends. So he didn't really fall in love with Janelle. I believe they had an intellectual connection and they had great conversations. And they were best friends initially, but it was not a romantic in love love. In my opinion, Cody knew Janelle had a strong work ethic. She was ambitious. She enjoyed working and she wanted a career. She loved employment. She liked having a job. And Cody knew financially he needed a breadwinner wife to contribute financially and make dollars and cents of the family finances. And Cody loves convenience and he saw that in Janelle. And I believe Cody was her best friend. And he did find her intellectual prowess attractive in my opinion. But I don't believe that he fell in love in the classic romantic sense. So when Cody says he fell in love with Janelle, that may not actually be the case. At the tell-all, 16 seasons in, we know Janelle still calls Cody her best friend. But when asked if Cody was in love with Janelle, he deflected to the host, saying, Ask Janelle, she will tell you she's not in love with me. When asked if the two were in sync and how they were so attuned to each other, Cody said they were not in sync. And Janelle admitted many times on the show and in the book, it was never a romantic love, more of a friendship. With Christine, when Cody says he fell in love again for the third time, we know for Christine at 19, she did feel head over heels in love with Cody. She wanted Cody and only Cody. She only had eyes for him. She was polygamous royalty. Her father was deeply involved in their church and her grandfather was the head of the church. She came with status and she rejected every suitor wanting only Cody, who was repulsed by her, recounting his lack of attraction to Christine with the Nacho story. She only wanted him and eventually Cody married Christine reluctantly, describing himself as morose and heavy, Christine saying Cody had the weight of the world on his shoulders and a thousand yard stare. Cody was recounting on his wedding day that it was a hard day for both of them, the wedding day, not how one would typically ideally describe their wedding day. For Cody, it was not an in-love romantic relationship at all. I believe that Cody wanted the status and the clout that came with Christine. And even though I do believe an infatuated Christine at just 19 
felt she was in love and it was romantic for her. I don't believe that Cody felt the same at all. And he makes that clear. So when Cody says that he fell in love and then he fell in love and he fell in love again, that's not exactly the case. Mary was a romantic love. In my opinion, Janelle was married more as a friend who could be a breadwinner for the family. And Christine was wed and she was in romantic love. But Cody married her for status and clout within his church and community, in my opinion. Robin, of course, was also a romantic love. Lisa, I just want to credit you. That was a great observation you made. And I wanted to give my commentary on that as we begin part one of chapter four on Robin and Cody. Robin grew up in a polygamous family in Utah. Her mom was her father's second wife. They had a honeymoon experience that lasted for years and years. Her mom and dad put their family and happiness ahead of any petty grievances that might pop up. Robin was determined not to marry unless she could have the same type of relationship for herself. Robin grew up knowing it was her choice to adopt the principle of plural marriage or not. It was entirely left up to her and in her hands. Robin writes of plural marriage. It was something I considered deeply and carefully. I prayed and contemplated until I received a testimony, which is to say, until I knew without question that I was going to live the principle of plural marriage. So again, for Robin, she frames her choice of faith and lifestyle as entirely spiritual, a testimony from God. Much like Cody had a testimony that Robin was for him, and Mary had a spiritual knowing that Robin would be a part of their family one day. Robin married her first husband at 21, her first three kids' biological father that she tries to erase many times on the show. Her first husband was a church member too, and he was from a well-regarded family in her church community. Her husband's family members were spiritual leaders. I wonder if they are related to Christine's family, who are also church leaders as well. It's a small community. I'm sure someone in Robin or Robin's husband's family might be related somehow to Christine. That's just speculation, of course. I'm just speculating. I don't have anything to to actually back that up, and I'm not curious enough to dig into it. But I'm just thinking it's going to be a very small community, and if everyone intermarries within that faith and it's a very small community, then everyone within that community and within that faith must be somehow related to someone. I mean, it's a very small community and it's not very popular thing. So there's not going to be a big population pool to pick from. And if people are only marrying people of the faith, one could only imagine. But anyway, that's just speculation. Robin says her first marriage to her first husband was not solid. It was a struggle from day one. Robin was a first wife, and shortly after Dayton was born, she knew she wanted to take on sister wives, but her marriage didn't last long enough to bring on a second wife. Robin writes, I tried my hardest to make the marriage work, both for our own sake and for the sake of the three children my ex-husband and I had together. But what started off as unstable disintegrated into something destructive. After seven and a half years of marriage, we separated, A year and a half later, we were divorced. Both my marriage and its collapse were incredibly difficult for me. I suffered a lot of pain and hardship. I had been badly mistreated and misled by my ex-husband. While I knew that he was the source of a lot of my grief, 
part of me still believed that I was a failure because I hadn't been able to make my relationship work. The aftermath of my marriage left me feeling vulnerable and used, as well as exposed and helpless. I felt betrayed. I needed to regain my confidence and my inner strength to ensure that I would never be mistreated again. Now, I have many thoughts on this passage. The first thing I want to point out is the way Robin spoke out of turn, tried to shame and blame Christine for divorcing Cody, saying Christine didn't try hard enough with Cody. And she said Christine didn't try as hard as she tried in her first marriage to make it work. Now, first of all, it seems to me that it's not Robin's place to comment or put down another woman for deciding to divorce or deciding she'd be happier if she separates from her husband and that's in her best interest for her own well-being and emotional health. Rather than be understanding, since she has been in Christine's position before herself and having compassion and empathy, Robin grew angry and frustrated and she put the blame on Christine not trying hard enough to accept abusive behavior or neglectful behavior or less than she deserves, in my opinion, or less than what would make Christine feel happy and loved. And Robin shamed Christine for that choice. It wasn't Robin's place. Here, Robin in the book wants sympathy. She describes feeling helpless and sad and used and vulnerable. She wants the reader's compassion and understanding and support. But at the tell-all, she shamed Christine, her sister-wife, and she didn't show her sister-wife a shred of empathy or understanding. Instead, Robin blamed Christine for not trying as hard as she imagines she did to accept abuse in her first marriage, to accept an unhappy marriage that was unfulfilling for her. Instead of having tolerance and understanding of Christine's grief and hardship, since Robin has been in that position, she got blamed and shamed by Robin and Robin expressed anger and frustration that the family would never be the ideal way she pictured it would be in her mind or like the shiny happy photo she posted to her vision board because everything is always about Robin, Robin, Robin and how it affects her and how it will never be her idealized version with Christine's departure from the family and Robin's dream An ideal that she has in her mind becoming a reality supersedes Christine's happiness. And it's all Christine's fault that she couldn't try as hard as Robin could. She wasn't as capable as Robin of trying in Robin's view. But Christine tried for 20 years, much longer than Robin ever did. And she endured much more in the process of trying than Robin seems to have endured. So that's the first thing I'd like to point out. And Robin, I believe, was married about seven and a half years, and Christine was married over 20 years, so she definitely tried for much longer than Robin tried. Robin points out she needed to build confidence and increase inner strength, but if her heart swells with love for her sister wives, why did Robin try to blame and shame her, blame and shame Christine, her sister wife? when she was in the process of rebuilding her strength and confidence after her divorce herself. I thought she cared about her sister wives more than herself, that their happiness matters to her, that it's the team over the self. But Robin 
had been in Christine's shoes. And she took the opportunity not to uplift her, but instead to put her down and mention that she tried harder than Christine. She was more capable than Christine of trying in her first marriage. Was that to boost Christine's confidence and inner strength? Since Robin says after her divorce, she needed to rebuild her strength and confidence. I also want to point out that Robin tried again. She tried for seven and a half years and Christine tried for 28 years. She married Cody in 1994. So that's almost four times more trying than Robin did. Just FYI. Robin says she realized the only person that could protect her was herself. When she discovered this, her alter ego became her protector. I wonder if this alter ego has something to do with the phantom imaginary. I love you, Robin responded to last episode of the rewatch when Christine was on a speaker call with Cody and neither Mary nor Christine heard Cody say, I love you at all. Yet Robin heard it and she responded to Cody saying nothing, imagining he said, I love you, saying, I love you too. So I'm wondering if she hears voices or what the deal is with her. Robin's alter ego was named Shira, and she represented Robin's tougher, bolder side. Robin writes of Shira, since no one would come to my rescue, I transformed part of me into my own superhero. Shira helps me protect the softer, more sensitive parts of my psyche. She built a wall around them so they wouldn't be battered or bruised. I knew that it would be going against my nature to throw away the kindness and caring that are parts of my character. So instead, I developed this mechanism to shield them. She writes, Shira helped me put up a fortress around my vulnerabilities and develop a hard, impenetrable side so that I wouldn't fall for anyone's tricks again. Shira was instrumental in helping me cope with the emotional turmoil caused by my marriage. She was there to ensure that I would never be hurt again. Any man who approached me was going to have to prove himself in every possible way, and he would have to go through Shira. All my opinion, and of course, I'm no shrink, but obviously Shira is a defense mechanism, and Robin felt vulnerable, so she created an image in her mind of what a strong and confident woman would be like, and she put that type of front or exterior as an armor to protect herself. I think it's interesting she describes herself as kind, caring, and sensitive, and that she perceives her kindness and caring as vulnerabilities. There is a difference between being kind and caring and being naive and gullible and vulnerable. Kindness and caring aren't weaknesses or vulnerabilities at all only if you are gullible and naive, and that can be a weakness. Rather than saying she was gullible or naive, Robin describes herself as kind and caring. Was it kind and caring to fake the wedding dress shopping experience for the wives, or to take money for your whole existence and roof and bills and for your kids from the family pot without contributing when you entered the family, or to request more time before being a wife when the other wives and kids' whole world and dynamic was an upheaval? Was it kind and caring to take the 11-day honeymoon or to throw Cody's older kids under the bus during the tell-all rather than showing them compassion? Was it kind and caring to leave Mary isolated during the pandemic, knowing she is a social creature that needed interaction with the family? 
followed Cody's ridiculous mandates and she posed no risk as she lived alone and she followed Cody's extra rules. What about when Isabel, who was not a risk and recovering from surgery, wanted to see her dad and siblings over at Robin's house and she was not allowed in Robin's home, but the nanny was. Is that being kind and caring? How about when Mary wanted to pursue her education and she told Robin she could give less time to my sister wife's closet? Was Robin happy and supportive of Mary or bitter and resentful? She wasn't getting what she wanted out of Mary to make her dream come true of her failed jewelry business. Why didn't she help Mary more with her dream of the inn when Mary bent over backwards to help with my sister wife's closet? It must be all that kindness and caring. In my experience, caring and kind people don't typically describe themselves as such in such a way. Their acts typically display and show their nature and they typically don't say it of themselves. They aren't self-proclaimed caring and kind. They don't state their nature as kind and caring and then act in ways that show the opposite, but that's just my opinion on that. Robin decided to take a break from relationships. She knew as a mom of three, her dates would be more like job interviews rather than romantic encounters, because any man who might court her would potentially raise her kids with her. She wasn't considering marriage, but she knew if and when she did contemplate it, that she would want a plural marriage. She didn't care what her husband looked like superficially. It was of no consequence to her. If he was old or fat, young or skinny, she could care less, provided he was a good man and a good husband. She wanted someone whose sole priority was taking care of his family. That man would have to demonstrate himself thoroughly and competently as caring, strong, and unselfish. Would most of us describe Cody as caring, strong, and unselfish? Every decision he makes is in order to get his way and justify his behavior. Was Cody particularly caring with Christine when he took intimacy off the table, leveraging it, a staple of any healthy, loving, stable relationship, as a way to adapt Christine's behavior with Robin? Was Cody strong when he refused to accompany his daughter to her life-threatening surgery, and he suggested a minor or a barely 18-year-old young lady fly alone to New Jersey in pain during a pandemic to do a major surgery alone in fear and tons of physical pain. Does a strong man and a strong father say that he won't go because of fear of a pandemic and because of inconvenience to himself? Is that what a strong man and a good husband and father does? Does he dissuade his daughter in pain from doing a necessary surgery with the prospect of an ugly scar? Does he then taunt her by asking if his refusal to go will result in her being a bitter, angry old housewife later on in life? Is that how a strong man behaves? How a family man, a stellar father, a loving husband who lets their wife go alone and even suggests their daughter undergo this surgery alone? What kind of a husband doesn't go support his wife and their daughter? And what kind of a man also refers to that as Christine taking a vacation? He referred to this surgery as her going on a vacation. Is Cody a man whose sole priority is his family, just like the ideal man Robin wanted? Is Cody unselfish or is Cody's every move based on what he prefers and what is to his convenience? 
Was it selfless when Cody lived monogamy with Robin and created his own impossible COVID mandates in order to justify living in monogamy with Robin since his other wives and kids could only abide by CDC guidelines? Cody even stopped calling his kids because he felt they were disobedient and disrespectful towards him when they couldn't comply by his rules. They had things like school, they had social lives, they had jobs. Is that a man who was selfless, whose family is his top priority? I didn't know COVID passed through the phone. Neglecting to communicate with your kids because they don't worship you and refusing to contact them when they want a relationship with you is all about pride and ego and selfishness. That's a man whose ego supersedes his family as his priority, in my opinion. Robin's divorce was finalized and she was a single mom taking care of her kids and she went to visit her cousin Reba in Lehigh, Utah. Lehigh, where Cody had the big house that he was living in with his 12 kids and three wives. On Sunday, Reba and Robin went to church. This is what Robin writes of first laying eyes on her soulmate, the Cody Brown. While we were seated in the service, a man sitting in front of me with shaggy blonde hair (laughs) caught my eye. The first thing I noticed about him was his eyes, which were ringed with laugh lines. I always love seeing laugh lines because they tell me that someone is happy. I watched him talk with the other members of the congregation There was something peaceful and comforting about the way he conducted himself. He was smiling and laughing at ease with himself and others. All of a sudden, he looked up and our eyes met. I'm not exaggerating when I say, I felt as though I'd been shot through with a bolt of lightning. When this happened, I was stunned. I was embarrassed, too, and looked down at my feet. (laughs) I'm sorry. This is just, (laughs) it's comical to me. And I'm really not trying to make light of their emotional experiences and stuff that means something to them. But this is just the way it's written is hilarious. Christine also saw Cody at church. And Janelle said when she first laid eyes on Cody, he conjured something inside of her that she could not ignore. And it was like she found something she had lost. Here, Robin says when their eyes met, she felt as though she had been shot through with a bolt of lightning. Everything is a romantic cliche, like the typically rom-com, like even teenage level amateur stuff. And everything is supposedly like this deep and epic monumental level thing. Everything is cosmic and spiritual. A lightning bolt hit her when she saw Cody. And I'm sure since she was in church, deep down, she thought it must be God making her feel this. In reality, in my opinion, she saw Cody. She thought he was hot. She was attracted to him. She saw him. He was loud and charismatic and smiling, being gregarious. And she dug that charisma and that vibe. And she started crushing and she had the chemical reaction in her brain tied to that attraction. And it wasn't spiritual at all. And it wasn't a testimony, in my opinion. It's what happens when people notice each other and they're attracted to each other. And it's an emotional reaction. And that feels visceral sometimes and very physical. And it's to a chemical response. But it's getting painted and written in this deep, spiritual, cosmic, dramatic light for each of Cody's wives. Robin writes, Immediately, I was furious that I had any sort of response to this stranger. I was determined that no one should break through my hard exterior shell and play with my emotions. So before Shira could scold me, 
I quickly repaired the crack that had appeared in my armor. Sometime during the service, I had to walk past this man on my way to the bathroom. He was sitting with a group of women. In my bitterness at my own emotional vulnerability, I thought, he's probably an idiot. I dismissed the whole encounter entirely. In my opinion, Robin wants to make it appear like marriage wasn't even on her mind. She was resistant to romance, but she was at church as a single woman where women in that faith go to find other men looking for wives. She wants to make it seem like she didn't want this. It wasn't on her mind at all, in fact. But Cody was so amazing and meant to be that he broke down her walls, he proved his valiance, and he got to her heart. And it was destiny, after all. That's why she felt the lightning bolt from God, from Heavenly Father. She writes of seeing Cody next. A month later, I visited Reba again. On the afternoon I was getting ready to leave, she had a group of friends over at her house. While I was standing on her front lawn, packing the kids into the car to head home, the same man I'd locked eyes with in church drove up in a white convertible. There was a woman riding in the passenger seat. The man stopped the car and started talking to my cousin. It was like a party exploded out of that car. He was so dynamic and full of energy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I guess I'm cracking myself up today. Here I'd like to point out a discrepancy or contradiction between the book and the show as to just how Cody and Robin first met. Technically, they didn't first come to know each other at a dance. Per the show, they first met at church. And then Robin saw Cody at her cousin's and then maybe at the dance. But they met and knew each other before this dance, so it didn't go down as it is portrayed on the show. In the show, Mary says she and Cody were out one night at a friend's house, and Robin was this friend's cousin, and she was over too, and that's how they met her. Mary says Robin and her clicked that night. Mary later told Cody to ask Robin to dance, and he did, and that was all she wrote. In the show, Cody says, Mary introduced Robin to him and Mary and Robin developed a bond. There was a spiritual drive that said to Mary, this is something that will be a part of your life. Mary says she and Robin had a connection and she knew Robin was a person she could be friends with. And more than that, she could have her in her family. Have Robin love her daughter and all the kids and Mary could love her kids too. In the book, Per Robin, Reba, Robin's cousin, introduced Cody and Mary to Robin. She fought to suppress the electrical energy she felt in church a month earlier when they met. She writes, Shira was screaming at me from inside my head, warning me to not even look at Cody. After last episode of the rewatch with Robin's imagined I love you from Cody, she responded to with an I love you too that neither Christine or Mary heard Cody say. And Robin then saying that she has an alter ego Shira who screamed inside her head and warned her not to look at Cody. Although I know, I'm sure this is a coping mechanism, I wonder what a shrink would think about this. It's very odd to me, in my opinion, that she would create another side of her personality as a defense mechanism Name it and then say Shira was screaming at her not to look at Cody. Last episode, she heard and imagined I love you and Mary and Christine looked at her like she was a nut as she manically tried to explain 
why she forced him to say I love you back to Cody, who never said it in the first place. I wonder if Robin has deeper issues or if this is just a literary expression or a literary device. And I wonder how literal and real Shira is to Robin. Did Robin perhaps hear Shira say I love you when she said I love you too with nothing from Cody on Christine's speakerphone call to him last episode? This is so odd and bizarre and I can understand protecting oneself but now Robin's alter ego is screaming inside her mind almost as if she hears literal voices. In my opinion, I hope she goes to therapy. I could be more cynical or sarcastic about Shira, but it's almost concerning to me, in my opinion, after Robin was hearing things last episode. So in case it's some type of, you know, issue, I don't want to be cruel. To me, I can understand being protective or having a wall up, but creating an alter ego and a different personality and then naming it and referring to it like a person that you hear in your mind is a bit much to me. And maybe it's just an exaggerated literary device, but maybe it's more than that, in my opinion, allegedly. In my opinion. Robin says it was difficult to ignore Cody, who was so animated and loud, but she did. She focused on Mary, whom she describes as sweet and engaging. A small crowd was forming in the driveway, and Cody noticed Robin wasn't included. So he turned to her and asked who her husband was, and she told Cody she didn't have one. Cody teased Robin about marrying her off to one of the guys lounging around on her cousin's lawn. Why? Because she was single, would a husband be a necessity? Why couldn't Robin be perfectly happy single? I think it was gross and patriarchal if some man who barely knew me asked, like, who owned me as a husband, basically. And when I said I had no husband, then he would suggest marrying me to someone around them on the lawn. Get the fuck out. To me, that's gross. Why would a husband be something that Robin needed? And why would some stranger think that it's his business to comment on her situation or marrying her off? I would think that was so gross if that happened to me and I wouldn't be happy with it. Robin drove off thinking nothing of it. She imagined befriending Mary in the future, though. A few weeks later, Robin's mom started bugging her about a church dance in Lehigh. This is the dance that Mary and Cody reference as the time they first met and laid eyes on Robin in the show. But Robin recounts seeing Cody first at church with the lightning bolt, similar to how Christine first noticed Cody in church, and then later Robin seeing him on her cousin's driveway. And then a few weeks later was this dance where Mary and Cody claim they met Robin first on the TV show. Robin had no interest in attending the dance. She was embarrassed to show her face as a single woman, a divorcee. She says everybody knew her story. She was married to the son of a prominent church family, and so the whole church community knew their dirty laundry. The dance made Robin uncomfortable, but her mother encouraged her to, quote, get her scent out there. I don't like putting it that way, as if she's a dog in heat getting their scent on things or a piece of meat to get married off. Like, as a human woman, she is a commodity who only has value if she gets out and gets courting to marry. Why? Why can't she be happy single? Why is marriage pushed on her just because she is single? And why is marriage her purpose in life? I understand that it's integral to the faith, but Cody, a stranger, then mentioned marrying her off. Her mom mentions getting her sent out there. WTF, let it be, but that's just my opinion. 
Robin went to the dance to accompany her brother and sister there so that they could have a social outlet. Robin felt like an idiot at the dance, but she felt her mom was right. She needed to get her face out there and show she was not ashamed. Why should she be ashamed of divorce? If her marriage wasn't making her happy and she wasn't getting what she deserved, whether he was the prince of the church or not, why should she stay and accept less than what makes her happy? It's the opposite of shame that you have if you get a divorce. It's courage. She says she wanted to show that she was not ashamed and that she was validated in her divorce and that she had nothing to hide. I feel like in this faith, a woman's happiness, well-being, and independence aren't valued enough. No woman who gets a divorce should ever feel ashamed, no matter who their husband is, in their church, or within society. Shame should never be on the menu just because of who your husband is or the status he holds. It doesn't mean at all that the divorce isn't validated. A man's status doesn't make up or compensate for their bad behavior or abuse or manipulations. Robin ran into Mary at the dance. She was friendly and sweet and talkative. Robin thanked Mary for talking to her and she said she felt like an idiot and she told Mary it was nice of her to think of her and rushing over to talk to her. Why is Robin behaving like she is persona non grata at this party just because she divorced a guy with status in the church who allegedly mistreated her? She should stand by her well-being and happiness and what she deserves. Her ex's status is meaningless if he doesn't treat her right and it disturbs me that she is thanking people for talking to her or accepting her just because she is divorced as if she's some type of outcast or like she's the dirt on the bottom of someone's shoe. A divorce shouldn't change your status in life or how you're valued or viewed or accepted. You shouldn't ever feel ashamed. Shouldn't the church community and the church people be loving and understanding and have empathy? To me, it seems like people are judgy and Robin is ashamed because she divorced someone who mistreated her as if she is in the wrong because she divorced someone with high status in their church, making her an outcast or less than in her community. And that's super fucked up, to be honest, if that's the case. Mary returned to her friends soon after going to talk to Robin, but at the second to last song of the night, Cody asked Robin to dance. Robin was shocked by this, and she remembers thinking that Mary must have taken pity on her and that Mary must have made her husband, Cody, dance with her. Robin says she felt like a complete loser, but she let Cody have his pity dance, and she thought it was kind of Mary to send Cody over to dance with her. Does Robin feel inferior to everyone else deep down, and does... She do her manipulation and victimhood routine to compensate for her deep feelings of inferiority, or is she painting herself as feeling like the inferior loser now to give credence to her victimhood narrative? She and Cody were at ease with each other when they were dancing, she says. Robin felt relaxed with Cody. She felt he was easy to talk to. They stopped dancing and they ended up chatting in the middle of the dance floor. Robin writes, during that song in the next, we opened up to each other like it was the most natural thing in the world. I forgot about the dance, the hall, and all of the people around us. For 10 minutes, it felt as if Cody and I were the only people in the world. Everything in the typical teenage rom-coms these middle-aged wives of Cody include in writing their love stories. Every generic romantic cliche we find in this book. It was destiny, a lightning bolt. I felt I lost something, then found it. He conjured something inside me. I knew she was the one for me. I sensed this. I sensed that. 
Here it felt like Robin and Cody were the only people in the world. In typical rom-coms, people will say, oh, I felt like you and I were the only ones in the room, or time stopped, time slowed down, etc. Every cliche is in this book, Becoming Sister Wife, so far. In every experience with every wife, they hit on like a checklist of romantic cliches. And it is odd the way every wife includes every generic, run-of-the-mill romantic cliche they can. It feels so disingenuous and amateurish. Cody excused himself all of a sudden to do the prayer at the end of the dance. Here is another cliche. Robin lost track of the time and place. She writes, It was as if Cody and I had escaped to an island together. I'd been so involved in our conversation that I'd forgotten where we were. After the prayer, Mary and Cody talked with Robin and her sister, and they talked until they got kicked out of the hall. So they went outside and they stood on the steps in the dark, and they talked till two in the morning. Robin was curious about Mary, and she wanted to get to know Mary better. But Mary was very quiet. Cody was talking to Robin's sister about plural marriage. She was a first wife who was interested in living the principle of plural marriage, and that intrigued Cody. Robin's impression of Cody was that he was nice and thoughtful. He was an interesting man who liked conversation. When Cody and Mary left, Robin's sister teased her about Cody telling her she was sure Cody liked her. Robin told her sister she had no idea what she was talking about. She told her sister it didn't matter if Cody was taken by her. Since she had made an agreement with herself and with God, she wasn't available and she wasn't putting herself out there. Robin says if God wanted her to marry someone, he'd have to hit her over the head with it and give her irrefutable proof that this is what she was meant to do. She told her sister it was her priority to situate herself and to get her kids in a safe situation. The next day, she drove home to southern Utah, and she assumed she'd never see Cody again. Why never? If the church community is small and she visits her cousin often and the church, wouldn't she naturally run into Cody at some point? Cody in the book says he initially met Robin on her cousin's lawn, not at the dance a few weeks later as the show states, and they first saw each other in church technically, according to Robin, who felt the electrical lightning bolt of energy when she laid eyes on the Cody Brown. Cody says after meeting Robin on her cousin's lawn, Mary sensed there was something special about her. Cody was nervous because Robin was divorced, and divorce can bring many technical difficulties when blending families and raising another man's children. As we know, Cody had vowed previously never to marry a woman with kids, and he broke that vow in order to accept Robin and her kids. It makes me wonder if one reason Robin pushed Cody being her kid's father immediately and for them to call Cody dad was to assuage Cody's hesitancy of the complications of blending families or raising kids who had a separate bio dad. I wonder if that's why Robin encouraged her kids to call Cody dad before it came naturally or why she tried rewriting history with the drawing of a younger Cody in her old family picture with her kids that were much younger replacing a younger Cody in place of her ex-husband, her kid's biological father, in that family photo. How much did Cody's reluctance and hesitancy about marrying a divorcee with kids have to do with Robin pushing her kids to call Cody dad?
I'm sure we all remember Robin pointing to a photo of Cody asking Brianna, who is this? Before the wedding, during the courtship. The kids only knew Cody some of that time, and there is a dispute whether the courtship was six months or ten months. But Brianna was maybe barely five or six years old, and she responds, Cody. Robin changes her tone, imploring, who? And Brianna adapts her answer to please her mom and respond correctly with dad. It wasn't calling Cody dad naturally or intuitively, organically from her heart. It was a forced response, coaxed by her mother's tone to answer right and please her mom. Why was it pushed so hard rather than allowing that bond to form naturally or organically in time? Why the rush? Maybe in order to assuage Cody's reluctance and anxiety surrounding ending families and raising another man's kids. Cody admits he always declared he would not invite the situation of raising another man's kids into his life, but he felt a stirring around Robin that changed this right away. Was the stirring in his heart or was his little brain stirred to attention, I wonder? Because Cody typically only does what's convenient for him and what he wants. And to do something completely against what he said he would do would mean there would have to be something huge swaying him. And this was all while he knew he didn't have the finances to do this. It's amazing what lust and being pussy-whipped will make a man be willing to do that he was unwilling to do before. Mary was excited to run into Robin at the dance. Cody says she acted like a schoolgirl, figuring out how and when he should ask Robin to dance. Now, we know from the show that Mary was in mergers and acquisitions, and her M.O. is to befriend the women first and approve. And then Cody jumps in, and Mary gets the existing wives in line and on board, and they mention testimonies and spiritual vibes, and that's that, more or less. Why do these middle-aged, grown adults act like junior high teens, giddy, wondering when to ask who to dance? I wonder if Mary knew Cody was on the prowl and maybe Mary knew Robin had kids and maybe Mary knew Cody wasn't down to raise another man's kids. And so she initially felt since that was non-negotiable for Cody, she could be benevolent and encourage Cody knowing it would go nowhere and she could look like the rock star head wife helping her husband find a new wife to add on. I don't know. I wonder about this. It could also be that Janelle and Christine were close and Mary was kind of the outsider and so she wanted an ally to be close with so she knew she recruited someone, a sister or wife, to be her bestie. She could have a friend and ally in the house too. I don't know. Cody says he became transfixed by Robin's spirit when they started dancing. I'm sure he was thinking with his you-know-what and it was lust and then the chemical reaction in his mind. This is how Cody describes it. I couldn't deny the spark I felt, not the kind of spark you feel in your loins, but something deep and transcendent. I guess you could call it love at first sight. When Cody and Robin talked after the dance, he avoided flirting with her, so he put most of his energy into talking with her sister. No au revoir for Robin. Remember when Christine felt electricity down her spine? When Cody flirted, according to her, saying, au revoir, it's not goodbye, it's see you next time. <laughs> Here's the mandatory spiritual knowing 
Cody always gets with each relationship. He writes, By that time, I had a very deep sense that there was a spiritual connection between us, but I didn't want to be overbearing or inappropriate. Anytime Cody feels lust and the chemical reaction associated with it, he always assumes that's spiritual. Mary and Cody got home and they spoke for two hours that night about Robin. They discussed their feelings about a new wife and whether Robin made the cut. Robin's energy appealed to Mary and Mary looked forward to having Robin as a friend and as a potential new sister wife. So at this point, did Cody go talk to Janelle or Christine and ask their thoughts on adding a fourth wife? Or did he and Mary make the decision to proceed with Robin and then bring this to Christine and Janelle's attention with Mary saying it was spiritually driven and Cody saying he had a testimony weeks in or months in when this was already off and running with Robin? How much of a say did Janelle and Christine have? Did their voices matter? Did their opinions count or affect Cody and Mary's decision to court Robin? If they disagreed, would Cody pump the brakes on Robin and the courtship? Were Janelle and Christine's voices heard? Or could they stay, accept it, and pray to open their hearts as they suffered, as Christine was pregnant with her sixth child? Or was there only out divorce and leaving the family if they disagreed with the courtship, with nowhere to go, five and six kids, and no backup plan? Did the second and third wives really have a say and a choice? Did their opinions matter in the situation? Cody says, despite their minor disagreements, their family was stable. All of his wives and kids were happy. All of his wives were happy? Really? Were all of Cody's wives happy? And was his family stable? We know behind closed doors, Christine said she hated polygamy. And she didn't support the courtship of Robin or the way it was handled. So was everything just peachy keen at this point? Somehow I doubt Cody's perception that his family was stable, his wives were perfectly happy, and there were only minor disagreements. Cody writes, We had arrived at the place we'd been dreaming of since I married Christine. It seems like an insane idea to threaten the peace in our household by considering a new wife. But both Mary and I were convinced that Robin had a wonderful spirit, kind and profound. Even our brief conversation with her stirred our souls. We wanted to get to know her better. I felt an undeniable connection to this woman I had just met, as did Mary. This connection was so deep and spiritual that it kept us up all night. Cody never mentions how Christine and Janelle take this news. Maybe because they didn't meet until much later in the courting process. Maybe because it didn't matter to Cody what they thought of Robin or what they preferred. Cody says he and Mary were lost in their own world as they discussed the undeniable feeling they both shared that Robin was not just a special person on her own, but a special person to them. He says he and Mary kept looking into each other's eyes saying something's happening, we feel something happening. Here is Cody's mandatory spiritual testimony from God, quote, regarding his connection with Robin, and he generically writes this type of thing for each wife. Before we went to sleep, I climbed out of bed and went to the living room. I fell on my knees and began to pray. I told God that I felt a stirring 
and that I wanted to know if this special woman I just met belonged in our family. Here's my take on this. First of all, I think Mary felt like an outsider since Janelle and Christine were so close and she wanted to be in Cody's favor. So she knew being his cheerleader and them sharing this secret experience would keep them close and bonded and she would be the favored wife who shared this secret about Robin with Cody. They also both drank the Kool-Aid of the faith, so Mary wanted a friend in the family and an ally like Christine and Janelle had in each other as sister wives. And Mary was excited about Robin and she could utilize supporting Cody and Robin as an in to bond with Cody and gain favor and attention. Mary could see Cody was already in lust and getting pussy whipped and she knew it was her job to drop hints and rally the troops, Janelle and Christine. So she co-signed and Cody moved forward. They had this secret that bonded them. And Cody needed Mary to get Christine and Janelle on board. And Mary liked the favor and exclusivity she had with Cody regarding this secret for a short while. And she thought Robin could be advantageous to her in the family dynamic, having an ally and a sister wife in her. So Cody and Mary kept it quiet and pursued it. And when it was all but done, they sprung it on Janelle and Christine, who didn't matter to Cody and Mary. And they knew they could accept it as a spiritual move and testimony, or they could leave the family, and that most likely would not happen. I just think that Janelle and Christine, in my opinion, really got the short end of the stick here. And they were just taken for granted and so undervalued and unimportant like they don't even matter or hold equal weight in the family to the first wife, Mary, and her husband, Cody. In the end, Cody does what he wants. He gets a lust attraction and he takes the chemical reactions and the vibes from that, which is all lust more or less, and he interprets it as deep and from God because it feels passionate. And the wives can't argue with God. And Mary uses her position as first wife to gain favor with Cody and to improve her standing with him, Plus, she wants an ally and a best friend in Robin as her sister wife. Mary probably felt because of Robin's status as a divorcee, as if she is unfavored because of that and having kids, that Robin will be subservient to her and feel grateful to have her blessing and to be her sister wife and to marry Cody. And that's probably why Mary liked her to some degree. But this is all just speculation and it's just my uneducated opinion, of course, just based on what we see on the show and in the book. And that's really all I know. Cody expected to see Robin at church in the morning, but when they got there, Robin wasn't there. Cody was crestfallen. He was certain that Robin was as interested in him as he was in her. Ego-driven Cody says, it was impossible to him that Robin wouldn't have attended his congregation in the hopes of seeing him again. How dare she not show up? How dare she not grace the Cody Brown with her presence the next day after he danced with her? Cody was angry at himself. If he knew she wasn't going to be in attendance at church, he wouldn't have been a gentleman and ended the conversation. He would have stayed up as late as possible and taken everyone for pie, he says. Mary texted Cody to see if he had seen Robin at church and she was disappointed when he hadn't seen her there. After church, Cody saw Robin's cousin Reba, who had first introduced them. Cody was still giddy from the night before, 
because he believed they shared a deep connection. There was no way in his mind that their connection was just one-sided. Cody was convinced Robin was as smitten with him as he was with her. So Cody went up to cousin Reba and asked her, maybe you should ask Robin who she is thinking about right now. And that baffled Reba. If someone my cousin introduced me to said, call your cousin, ask who she's thinking of after we had one good conversation, I would tell my cousin that this person has an ego that that's creepy and weird. And I would tell her, tell him I'm dating someone, tell him I'm not interested. It would be a turnoff to me that he was that enthusiastic before knowing me deeply or me knowing him. And that he would assume that he was that impressive to me, I would be totally turned off by all of that arrogance and assumption. A week after this, Reba wanted to come over to discuss Cody's intentions. Reba was curious and protective. Mary was emotional. Before Reba arrived, she hugged Cody and wordly asked Cody, What if we're not right? What if she's not meant to be with us? What if we're wrong about the way we feel? Was Mary in love with Robin too in a romantic way? Or did Cody have these questions and projected as Mary asking them? I wonder, and if Mary asked, was she loving Robin beyond a sisterhood? Cody writes, I explained to Mary that what I felt for Robin was undeniable. The spiritual and emotional connection was not going to be undone by any personal insecurities Mary and I may have had. I told her that this person whom God had brought into our lives was meant to be there. It only had to be ratified by Robin, her parents, and our church leaders. I'm going to read that line again because it's going to be important in a second. It only had to be ratified by Robin, her parents, and our church leaders. Who's missing from that? Reba was blunt when she arrived and she wanted to know, what Mary and Cody's intentions were for Robin. Mary and Cody explained that they were both bitten by the same love bugs, that their feelings for Robin were profound. They intended to get to know Robin better if she was open to that. That made Reba giddy because she loves Robin and Mary and Cody. So the prospect of Robin joining the family pleased Reba. My thoughts here are Cody told Mary that God brought Robin into their lives and she was meant to be there and it only had to be approved by Robin, her parents, and their church leaders. What about his other wives? What about Janelle and Christine ratifying the marriage and courtship as well? They don't even seem to be an afterthought or a consideration in this. It seems to me at the point where Reba asked what Cody and Mary's intentions were with Robin, no one even questioned or asked at all where Christine and Janelle stood on this. Christine and Janelle probably knew nothing of Robin and all of this. Reba visiting to ask their intentions, the testimonies from God, the talking between Cody and Mary was all behind Christine and Janelle's backs, it seems. And it was already basically signed, sealed, and delivered and off and running before Janelle and Christine were told about it and when they were told, it wasn't just if they approved and dependent on their feelings and approval and their opinions and wants weren't considered or important during the ratification process of Robin. What they thought didn't matter. Their voices didn't matter. And by this point, if they did not approve of the courtship, it would not affect if Cody continued the courtship or not. 
Robin mattered more than them, and they could stay or go, but Cody had a testimony. Mary had a spiritual drive, and they were going to do this and tell the other wives after it was done and delivered, and when their protestations wouldn't count or hold any weight in the matter. In my opinion, I don't believe Christine or Danelle's voices mattered at all, held any weight, or were even heard or valued at all whatsoever regarding Robin and her courtship. But that's just my opinion and pure speculation, of course. Robin says her cousin called her and told her she had to get to Lehigh with a quickness after talking with Cody and Mary. Robin says it was crazy because Lehigh was 300 miles away from where she lived. Robin had zero intention of immediately obliging her cousin in visiting Lehigh. Reba told Robin the Browns are a good family and they're interested in her and that positive things were happening there and that Robin needs to immediately come and meet the whole Brown family. Robin asked how many there were. Reba told Robin Cody had three wives. Robin already had her testimony that she would be a part of a plural family. She knew she wouldn't be a first wife again because she was an older divorcee with three kids, but she never entertained the idea of being a fourth wife. In my opinion, Robin wants to make it seem like she never imagined being the final, youngest, newest wife in the family, like it was a strange thought, something she never, ever would entertain. She never would want that. Robin says the majority of men in their faith have two wives. Fewer have three wives and hardly any have four. It's just too challenging. So when Reba told her Cody had three wives, she was taken aback. It seemed like a lot. Reba told Robin they had all been together as a family for 16 years. And Robin says it felt inconceivable to put herself in this situation. So Robin told her cousin she wasn't coming. She couldn't afford the trip and she didn't need these complications. Cousin Reba insisted that she would pay for Robin's gas. A 30-year-old woman who insisted she was working and independent, paying for her existence, doing fine, wouldn't need alms for gas money. Robin decided she would think about it. Robin contemplated it the next couple of days. She writes, I contemplated a lot. I asked God to give me a sign, even though I know he doesn't work that way. I played all these little games with myself, for instance, promising that if I saw the name Cody written anywhere, I'd take it as a sign that I should go. Is she 12 years old, infatuated with her crush, taking it as a sign she sees their name someplace? My God, grow up. This is so ridiculous. It's scary to me. She's a mother of three with such a low level of maturity at 30 years old. What is this? This is insane looking for signs and symbols and God in everything, in, in just every little tiny thing like, oh, if I see his name written anywhere, it'll be a sign. If a sign happens, doesn't it just happen when you least expect it? Not when you look out for it and search it out and feel entitled to it. You can interpret anything as a sign if you are determined to validate your hopes and perceptions, especially if you wish it and expect it and it isn't random and out of the blue and out of nowhere and completely unexpected. It's different when you feel entitled to something and you expect something. You can interpret anything any way you want, really. Robin asked her kids if they wanted to go on this trip and she didn't tell them it was anything beyond visiting cousin Reba. The kids hated long car trips, so Robin figured she was off the hook. 
but to her surprise, her kids were excited to go. I'm sure because Robin expected the kids to not want to go and they were excited this time, she felt it was a sign from God and maybe God made her kids want to take this trip. This is beyond ridiculous to me and it's a little immature. Robin decided to go and the whole trip to Lehigh, Shira was screaming at the top of her lungs, don't do this, get your butt home now. Robin had to agree with Shira. She had no idea what she was doing. Shira yelled at Robin until she pulled into her cousin's driveway and Reba announced they were going to the Browns. This Shira thing is a little psychotic in my opinion. It's a bit much in my opinion and it's not cute. It's scary and creepy in my opinion and it makes me feel like Robin has the potential to be unstable in my opinion, just pure speculation. But again, that's just pure speculation, just my opinion. She talks about Shira like a real person that exists, like an imaginary friend she believes is real. I get joking about alter egos and defense mechanisms, acting oneself and literary devices. But speaking of Shira like a person, a separate person talking to her, makes me feel almost like Robin heard literal voices and it makes me seriously ponder her mental and emotional state, in my opinion. It's very creepy and bizarre. There's Shira, her creepy dollhouse, the painting of a younger Cody with her younger kids in place of their bio dad, the plethora of Christmas angels Robin accrues. Robin needs a Robin's creepiest moments video, just like I make the cringiest moments for Cody. Soon there will be a new one out for Cody and I have enough to do a third and fourth cringiest moments for Cody as well. I want to keep them short and there, there will definitely, definitely be a cringiest for Robin too. I'm already accruing the clips for that. Janelle will get a badass moments video like the epic F you to Cody and when she responds to Cody saying his family is an obstacle to his goals in life, how she goes to rock shows and how she refuses to allow Cody to kick her sons out until they were ready to go. Anyways, Cody wanted to welcome Robin and her kids with a barbecue. He still hadn't told Janelle about Robin at this point. He says he had only seen Robin a few times and he wasn't sure what sort of footing they were on. But didn't he already have the testimony from God and the desperate middle of the night prayer and Mary had the spiritual drive as well and Reba had already discussed this with Cody and Mary and what their intentions were and Cody told Mary just her family the church and Robin needed to approve, totally disregarding Janelle and Christine and their opinions, voices, and feelings. They weren't even a factor in Cody proceeding in this as Cody's second and third wives and the mothers of most of his kids. He already told Robin's cousin he was serious and Mary knew Cody was serious and Robin knew, but Janelle didn't know about her, the second wife and mother of six of his kids. She had no clue about this woman. She hadn't met her before. And this woman has three kids and he knew that he eventually wanted to marry her. Does that sound kosher? Cody explains this away by saying he wanted to make sure Robin was slightly open to the idea of a relationship with him before broaching the idea with his wives. Cody admits he would need all of his wives' consents to court Robin. You would think he would ask them first, then approach Robin. But I don't know what the typical etiquette is. But in my opinion, the wives would be the most important people to consult and they would be integral to this and they should be considered and consulted first before anyone else.
Cody writes, I approached Janelle first. I explained what had been going on with Mary Robin and me and what my feelings were. When I finished talking, Janelle had a surreal experience. She was overcome with emotion. She put her hand over her chest and said, Oh my goodness, there's something special about this. This is supposed to happen. Tears welled up in her eyes. She says she felt a burning in her bosom. It was an undeniable affirmation. I was moved by Janelle's reaction to my news, Cody writes. It made me giddy for Robin's arrival. I had told Christine about Robin the night after the dance. Christine expressed her disappointment that she hadn't stayed later to meet her. Christine is such a warm and inviting person. I knew that she would go out of her way to welcome Robin. Soon I had my wife's consent to get to know Robin. In my opinion, my commentary on this is I think Cody minimizes the situation of getting consent from Janelle and Christine and he dismisses it and glosses over it. We know very clearly from the show that Janelle and Christine were not initially on board with Cody courting Robin. We know Janelle was concerned about the financial aspects at the very least and the stretching of already thin resources in order to absorb the costs of paying for a woman and her three kids and all of her bills and utilities and food and clothes and car and incidentals and the separate rental for everything for her and her kids whole existence taking from the team having all the wives and kids sacrifice and make do with significantly less to absorb the cost and completely cover Robin and her kids. And as Robin drained the family pot, she didn't work or contribute to put one cent back in. I find it interesting that Robin wants to be an indispensable part of the team while being a huge liability and draining the team's finances without adding anything back or providing for the team only taking for herself. We also know Christine had huge objections to Robin and the courtship. Christine took issue with the distance and Cody using Robin living 300 miles or five hours away in order to take weekend trips, taking from all of the wives and kids time in the rotation, taking from their time with Cody. Christine was also pregnant with her sixth child with Cody during the courtship and she feared Cody replacing his family with Robin and her kids. Among a host of other things that all happened to come to fruition and all of Christine's instincts were right. She even said sometimes the wife comes in and only wants the man and not the family and that is what happened with Robin and she is more interested in the man and in her own interests than Cody than the needs and best interests of the family. And we see this repeatedly in her not working to pay her way after marrying Cody, allowing the family budget to absorb the cost of her and her kids' rental and whole existence, with the monogamy during COVID, with the way Robin finagled getting legal wife status with the excuse of Cody adopting her kids, among a plethora of other examples we see over and over throughout the seasons. And later on in this chapter, we hear Robin admit that she was more interested in the man than the family. Her main concern was the man. As far as Christine's fear of Cody replacing his family with Robin and her kids, he now says in current seasons, this past season in fact, 
that Robin's house is the only place that feels like his home. And her kids are the only kids that feel like his kids. And the only kids he will own and refer to as his kids. With Janelle's or Christine's kids, as early on as season two, we see examples of Cody distancing himself from his kids and refusing to take ownership, never calling his kids with Christine and Janelle his kids or our kids. They're always labeled as Christine's kids or Janelle's kids exclusively, but Robin's kids are always his kids or our kids. Cody says he found himself counting down the minutes until Robin arrived. He was smitten with her and he was convinced Robin felt the same way about him. He thought when Robin arrived, they'd get along swimmingly and be off to the races. But when Robin arrived and she came down the stairs and saw her Prince Charming flipping burgers, she barely said hello. It's a little arrogant of Cody, as usual, to assume that Robin felt as smitten as him with just a handful of conversations. And it's very assuming as well. That does it for this episode of Becoming Sister Wives Book Club. Join me next week for part two of chapter four of Becoming Sister Wives on Robin and Cody. I'll see you later this week for the next episode of my Sister Wives Rewatch, covering season two, episode seven, entitled The Brown Family Decision. It's a Brown Family Christmas episode, and we get the first mention of the move to Vegas. And I have many thoughts on that. It should be a fun one. And I love, love, love the thumbnail I made. To my YouTube viewers, please like and subscribe. And as always, please leave me all your wonderful insights in the comment box down below. You guys know how much I appreciate hearing all of your different thoughts and perspectives on all things Sister Wives. Thanks so much for listening. See you guys soon. Bye.